You're listening to the Game Football Podcast from The Times. World Cup 2022. Today, Argentina make their way into the World Cup final as a magic Lionel Messi inspires a 3-0 victory over Croatia. Was it a bridge too far for Luka Modric and co? We'll also very briefly look ahead to Morocco's game with France in tomorrow's semi-final. This is the game. Hello and welcome back to the Game Podcast. I am Hugh Wisencroft alongside Alison Rudd and Gregor Robertson. And we now know one of the names into the World Cup final in Qatar. That team is Argentina, bouncing back in the best possible way, having lost their opening match with that shock defeat against Saudi Arabia. They have beaten Croatia by three goals to nil, a comfortable victory for a game of this magnitude. Um, Croatia controlled the early exchanges. They didn't really go anywhere, to be honest. Dejan Lovren was just a little bit too concerned with Julian Alvarez's speed. He ended up being brought down by Dominic Livakovic. Lionel Messi smashed home that penalty before Alvarez bundled in a counter-attack, fortuitously, in my opinion, but uh, we'll talk about that goal. Um, And it was game over before half-time, really. Messi, though, after the break, turned on the skill to make a second for Alvarez. Argentina 3 Croatia nil, heartbreak for Luka Modric and co, and it was just a bridge too far in the end for Croatia, wasn't it? Wasn't it, Alison? Well, we'll never know, Hugh, but I do feel if that penalty hadn't been given, it could have been different because, as as we all know, Croatia have not got a great goal threat, and maybe maybe from the word go, we knew a, a counter attacking team were going to win the World Cup. Croatia just dominate possession they're clever in midfield but there's just nothing happening up front and I felt they'd seen Argentina wobble through the tournament and if they could have kept them at bay for longer they would have seen a bit of nerves creeping in and that would have been the moment they might have got a set piece or something or taken it to pens or not only did did they get the penalty decision it was maybe psychologically they were I mean I know Kovacic got booked in arguing against it and I know the pundits have been split, but I felt it was a really harsh penalty. It, but, you know, and if you feel like, oh, my goodness, we've been playing really well. We've had a lot of possession, created some nice patterns. And our reward is to be given a penalty against us that we don't believe is a penalty. That really does knock does knock a team, actually. So I, from that moment on, it looked highly unlikely they were going to claw their way back in. And it was exactly what Argentina needed. But I am interested in what we all thought of it as a penalty decision. Peter Walton, who we use on the Times, and they're used by ITV as well. He said it was a clear penalty, but I I genuinely don't see how it is a clear penalty. Because when I went to referee school, we were told if the goalkeeper has made an attempt to go for the ball, and that is his genuine is a goal threat and he makes an attempt to go for the ball to make a save you've got to you've got that is different because people are saying things like oh well you know if it'd been a defender or, or outside the penalty box it would have been a definite free kick wouldn't it it's different it is different when the goalkeeper has every right to try and make the save I really don't see what else the goalkeeper could have done in which case in the spirit of fair play of all across all sports in what way can that be penalised was it a foul Gregor I was, I was, I'm split on it, like down the middle of myself. <laughs> I, I remember watching it in in real time, and then in the re, after the replays, I was thinking, Craig, there's not much the goalkeeper could have done there, like to get out of the way of that." Actually, Alvarez 
runs into him. So I'm fully behind that. But I do kind of also see it from the point of view that I understand the goalkeeper wasn't really making a kind of a big action towards Alvarez, but he was still out there trying to block him, as in block the shot. And it kind of it almost looks a bit like an obstruction. You know when a you know when two players come together at field players, and one kind of stands still and tries to sort of make out that that they couldn't do anything to get out of the way, and perhaps they couldn't. They still you still get 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 a foul given against you. That's what happens. So it's a bit of a grey area, and I do feel, I have some sympathy for them, but at the same time, I think it would be a brave referee and even braver VAR not to not to give that. But it is a bit of a grey area, and I can see why the opinion was split. What did you think? But you, well, Gregor, you're saying it's obstruction. Obstruction isn't a penalty. Obstruction is an indirect free kick. You're, you seem to be saying at the you know the very best, the very best, it's it's obstruction. You could draw a parallel with obstructions between two outfield players. I mean, you know, Peter Walton's sort of description of a, a player sliding in and not not winning the ball and hitting the man was ludicrous. You know, it bore no relation to that resemblance to it, but. I, I think it is a bit much as well to say that he couldn't, you know, he can't get out of the way. It might be true, but he was there to try and stop the shot. Like, but the shot, the shot had happened. The shot had happened before the there was the obstruction. No, but once the shots happened, once the shots happened, it's almost inevitable that they're going to collide. So I understand it from both sides. I just think that it was almost certain it was going to be given. I also disagree with fundamentally with your point at the start. I don't think Croatia would have scored tonight if you know they could have kept the ball all day long they had nothing they were so one-dimensional there was some they were they were they were dangerous at the occasional corner kick right I mean okay tonight there felt like there was a kind of a higher force at play and that Argentina were being dragged over the line by one man and 10 of his soldiers that's what it felt like at the end. Oh, higher force being messy not God absolutely so we can talk about the penalty, and it was a grey area, but there, there are far more inspiring things happening that happened tonight, I think. Can we leave all comments regarding some sort of ethereal power affecting football matches to, to Alison? Because that's her realm. Why? That's what she does. That's what she brings, that's what she brings <laughs> oh, to the see, podcast, see, Gregor. Sorry. Gregor, you bring the Dower Scott, <laughs> well, and she out. brings comments about higher planes, etc., etc. We just play our roles on this podcast, okay? That, was, that confused okay. me massively. She's sounding pretty dour about a penalty. Because the thing is, I think a lot of us, we wanted the underdogs to win. And um, that was the heartbreaking moment. You you were clinging on at that point in time. You know, again, you look at the second goal and you think, okay, something's at play here. I, I don't, I can't recall a ball ricocheting, you know, off three of the defensive players made contact with it in that sequence. And every time it came back to Alvarez until he had the comfortable finish, it just literally dropped for him perfectly. And you thought, well, game over. But um, it was it almost felt harsh. That's how lucky it was. It felt harsh on Croatia. I felt some some sympathy. You know, there was, you take a look take a look at social media. You hear some of the, you know, saying it's key, Keystone Cop defending or like comparing them to wheelie bins and stuff. I, I mean, this is kind of at high such high pace. And what what defending is about in that kind of moment is making the forward, the attacker, make the decision. You're basically saying to them, make your move. And then I'll try and match you. And he never made a move. He just kept running straight. And then it ricocheted twice, as you say. And he somehow kind of gathered it without handballing it or something. And then he was five yards from goal and he smashed it in. It was just really bizarre. So as you say, those two goals in quick succession kind of came over. And it was like, okay, this is Argentina's night. I don't really have any, I don't really have any huge disappointment in how Croatia played. 
I think they 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 did what they could do to try and win that match, and that was to try and control the possession. Hope it was a, a really tense nil nil, and they might again take it to to penalties. Who knows? Possibly uh, nick the game. But yeah, they just didn't have enough quality, particularly in the final third, to trouble Argentina whatsoever. And um, there isn't much you can read into their performance. I think they had a good World Cup. They reached the semi-finals. They only won one match. And, and on the other hand, Argentina, again, I don't think tonight is a night that you think, what a brilliant team. But they just had a level above what Croatia offered. And, and you still, again, I've said it all the way through, but it's probably now going to come true that they do win the World Cup. But I still look at the games and think a good side's going to have a chance of beating them. You know, you, you watch Croatia with all of their deficiencies going forward and you still think, ah, oh, there were periods where Argentina couldn't get the ball. You know, we know they're, they're quality midfield players, of course, at, at Croatia, but you never know. You just never know now. I mean, they're in the final. Messi could provide the magic once again. They could win it quite easily. Anyone could win it, like we've been saying for a while, but um, they're not the complete package. Far from it, and they scored three goals on the night. So um, I'm intriguing to see how they go, whoever they play against in the final. Was this their best night at the World Cup so far? Their best performance at the World Cup so far? Because I think a lot of people were saying Lionel Scaloni got his tactics spot on tonight. And I, yeah, what do you think? What do you think, Greg? Are you grimaced? I heard and saw that as well. I'm just a little bit sceptical about it because, as you say, the first two goals were from nothing and quite fortunate. And then... It's, this whole team is built around giving Messi a platform. I'm still unconvinced by them. I don't think there's anything they can do in the final too that will convince me this is really a good team. This is a, a pretty average team with Lionel Messi. For me, that's the truth of the matter. And You talk about the teams that have been successful in international football in recent years in France, Portugal, even Croatia, and they're not always been easy on the eye, but they've had kind of characteristics and individuals that you admire I, I really I think Alvarez has, has kind of stepped up and been really important for them but I really there's very little to admire about this Argentina team apart from their doggedness and their kind of commitment to doing all all they all they can possibly do to help Messi help them win the World Cup that's honestly what it feels like again I see it afterwards you watch them all going up to them it's like so just kind of almost standing in front of a, a god and saying thank you, thank you, honestly thank you. We're we're one one game away from from doing something remarkable, and it's all because of you. Like we will do whatever it takes for you to do this for us, and it will be like you know. I'm just thinking when Maradona won the World Cup in in '86, he single hand. I was two. I don't remember it, but you know I've read about it and watched the footage, and he single handedly dragged Argentina to victory. He scored five goals. He got five assists. Messi's now on five goals, three assists, maybe four if you want to count. I wouldn't count it. And I think we'll have played one more game by the time the final comes along. But we're in that realm. If they win the World Cup, Messi's done it. And like all those debates that I normally don't really personally get have much involvement in about whether he's the GOAT or not, I mean, it, it would be pretty hard to... He's rolling back the years. You can literally see that he's in the flow now. In the second, particularly in the second half, when he's collecting the ball and that little first little burst of speed away from a man, it's like you can see the kind of instinct fizzing and popping around in his mind. Where he's, it's not about he's not thinking. It's like he's in that flow, and that is, and when Messi, Lionel Messi is doing that, it's an absolute joy to behold. And you just never thought it was going to be possible again to see it, and we're seeing it, and it's absolutely mind blowing. You mentioned goat. 
Gregor. And I wonder if one factor in that is to add to Messi's um, list of reasons why he might be, is this reinvention of his in his latter years. So if you look at a graph of his goals scored, they've tailed off, but his assist level has compensated by increasing dramatically. And I feel that is what all the very best players I've ever seen have done as they've hit their mid-30s, is they've become they've become something else that is suitable to the what their physical attributes will allow them to be. So he's not able to be that stunning regular goal scorer, but he is able to use his brain and his you know his movement, his intelligence and vision to be the the person who assists. And that to me, that is why he sh- he will be part of any conversation because you compare him to someone like Ronaldo, who is almost determinedly not reinventing himself. He wants to be what he always was and he wants to prove to us with his physique and so on and his attitude that he's the same same type of goal scorer that he used to be. He, you know, he's sort of pleading, do not diminish me because of my age. I can be what I've always been. And I can't see Cristiano Ronaldo dropping deep and becoming someone who plays unselfishly and allows other forwards in. And Messi, uh, admittedly, Messi's always been very good at opening up defences. And if that means someone else scores, they do. But the fact is his goal scoring rate has diminished, but that hasn't diminished him. And I think that's quite a trick if you can pull that off. He's, uh, I almost felt sorry for Guardiola in the second half. I mean, that his little shuffle of feet on the touchline to kind of control it and scamper off down the line was just extraordinary. And then we, we kept slowing up because I think he knew, you know, although he does seem to be kind of quicker than we thought he was still <laughs> in moments, he still kind of knew he wasn't going to beat him just in a one-on-one foot race. So he slowed up and then and then little twists and turns. And in the end, Gvardiol looked like a big grizzly bear kind of scrapping it, like, I don't know, some little agile beast <laughs> and and it was just it was like oh I could not imagine playing against someone with that kind of the way able to manipulate the ball and move their body in that way it just made him look as I say like a big kind of lumbering giant and he's been one of the best one of the best defenders at the tournament it was it was extraordinary yeah Messi was was brilliant um he has been for some time uh, at this tournament. I, I've said it all along. I do believe that whoever wins this tournament will be the best team. So I agree with you on that, Gregor. And I don't see Argentina being it. And again, all the Argentina fans are saying, well, look, you bet against us all the way through and look where we are now. So, I, I, you know, I'm not going to go too deep on that. But um, you look at some of the other areas of the pitch and you think surely a really top team is going to expose them. I don't even know if Emmy Martinez touched the ball tonight, to be perfectly honest. I mean, that was one of the easiest games that he's ever had in his career. You think about the, the, the physicality and aggression of the centre-backs. Um, they've not really been tested uh, during this competition. All right, they, they lost the opening game to Saudi Arabia. But since then, no one's really got into Argentina. And I'm kind of surprised. And I, I was sad watching this game from an England perspective, thinking, I honestly believe it. We would have beaten both of them. I, I truly believe it. Not to bring it back to England once again. But no, but, but it does. it does still makes you wonder how good Argentina are. 
Like it does. And the only thing that I would say is I saw the message tonight that you don't have to be the overtly better team. You don't have to show everyone that you're the better team. You don't have to outplay the opposition in the conventional sense, you know. Oh, they can't touch the ball. You know, they can't get near us. We're going to score three or four. You know, we're going to outplay them and show magic. No, you just need to give yourself a platform to win the game. And that's what Argentina did. Like, it wasn't it wasn't a rope-a-dope as such, but it was just like, well, let's see what you've got. The answer is absolutely nothing. On the counter-attack, we'll pretty much score two goals. I mean, one long ball and the other one was a break from a, a, a Croatian corner. And the game's over. And I watched that and I was like... I really wish let's let's I won't bring England up again. I just wish some other managers, some other teams, some other groups of fans at the tournament would watch that game tonight and think, do you know what? Does it matter to say that we outplay the best teams in the world? Because that's what it always boils down to. Again, not to bring it back to England, but I think Argentina are a great litmus test for that. No, they are. I mean, they lost the opening game to Saudi Arabia. It's a national disaster. It's a crisis. Now they're in the World Cup final. Because after that point in time, from their second game, it's been knockout football for them. And all they've cared about is getting a result. You know, I think they do what they've done, what they've needed to do in every single match. And that's why I find them so interesting because I watched them tonight and thought, Italy, was it 2006? I always complain about them being a dreadful team that won the World Cup. That's me. You know I'm a football snob. And I'm looking at Argentina and I think, if they win the World Cup, I will sit back and say... Just like you, Gregor, they're, they're not that great a team. And look, there they are. And I think it's an, it's an we've learned in this competition, with all of the shocks, this shouldn't be seen as the World Cup of, of getting a shock. This should be seen as the World Cup of getting a result. Tell that to Brazil. Tell that to England. Do you know what I mean? There's plenty of good teams that have disappeared trying to play great football. Argentina got the job done. Am I right, Alison? Well, do we think, but what do we think will happen in the final? So if it's, say it was Morocco v Argentina, what would Argentina do then? It, and that question would probably apply to anyone who played Morocco in the final. But I, you know, you mentioned Ropadope. So would it just be who blinks first and we see no football played at all? I mean, what, what <laughs> if you're Argentina, surely you, surely just to, to, to address your point, you surely Argentina would feel an onus to play the better football. I think they'd take 1-0, an attritional 1-0, I think they'd take. What would be interesting in that matchup is where the game would be played, because obviously Morocco would sit deep. They would almost give a lot of the possession to Argentina and try and play on the break. So I think the onus would be on Argentina to take the game to Morocco, but to play the spectacularly better football, I don't think they will actually care about that. At least the squad won't, because so far in this tournament, they haven't really needed to play spectacular football so why just give it to Messi hope he curls one in the top corner basically and and I guess the point needs to be made tonight as much as any they haven't really started playing until they scored a first goal Argentina and that's another question mark over them because in all of these games they've managed to get the first goal in a couple of them against the run of play so if they do concede first I don't really know what Argentina we would see in the final whether it's against Morocco or France, you know, a more expansive front foot attacking Argentina. We haven't really seen that until they've basically been enjoying the game when it's already been won. What do you think, Gregor? Am I am I spouting more nonsense? No, no, I take your point entirely. But I, I also think it's not, as I said, I went through a few teams 
who have been successful in international football. And this is not all that new. We often talk about the teams who don't concede goals. You know, Argentina, I think they've conceded five. This is what I'm, this is what I'm saying at the outset. There have been other teams that have, as you say, they've just played winning football. It's a tournament. They've played tournament football and they've been effective. But they've also, they've also had characteristics and individuals and a sort of structure and whatnot that you have, there are things to admire about them. I, I, as I say, beyond Lionel Messi, I don't admire very much about this team. That's what feels different to me about this. I think Alvarez coming has been a big change for them. But defensively, they're not that convincing. They've chopped and changed the back four and the midfield. I've, I've really enjoyed watching Paredes for PSG in the Champions League. This was his first start since the Saudi game, the first game. That's strange. They're in the World Cup semi-final, and he's gone. He's put somebody back in that played in the first game against Saudi Arabia. It's like he doesn't really know. And uh, yeah, fair enough. He picked the right team to win tonight, but he is just trying to find the strongest base and platform to allow Messi to win the World Cup for them and Argentina. And you know what? Hats off to them if it works. Um, hats off most of all to Lionel Messi because he will have done it alone. It does seem like destiny for Lionel Messi. But are the football gods just playing puppet master here and taking Lionel Messi towards that trophy? Watching the game tonight, my son said to me, what referee in the world would be the one to send off Lionel Messi? Say he picked up a yellow for a stamp, a little stamp that was pretty obvious. And the referee instinctively, without really thinking it through, showed him a yellow card and then there was a more blatant foul later in the game. I don't know, start of the second half. So what ref? <laughs> it's not about the gods or fate or destiny. It's just about the hype around one individual who's for some reason regarded in saintly terms. I'm not particularly sure he's led a more saintly life than you or me. But it's this sense of he's got an advantage Away from his skill, he has an advantage before he sets foot on the pitch in terms of perception. So I think that is about what the opposition do, what the coach does, how the individual players on the opposition feel about dealing with him, whether they try try too hard, which affects their game, or are in awe, which affects their game, or are genuinely not come up against a player like him before, which affects their game. And then you've got the officials... nobody in the universe wants to be the person that now ruins the dream by sending Messi off so he's got that he has a freedom that no other player has knowing he can he can twirl around and accidentally trip up anybody won't matter it's not supernatural it's these are these are logical factual things that add up to somebody having all the advantages and then you add on that the fact that he's as I described adapted his own game I think he's adapted his game for himself what he can physically do now and I think he's adapted his game for the team as well because when he's not that involved I can I can feel him watching what's happening and what's unfolding and where on the pitch he might make a difference and how he might make a difference yeah and like in the first half there was periods because let's be honest for the first half an hour this was Croatia were the better team you know I thought Argentina were really poor and you watch him walking around, you saw me even holding his hamstring for a little while. You're thinking, I was very much one of the other 10 players. <laughs> like I was thinking, <laughs> when I was playing, and this isn't like in the lower leagues in England, I'm thinking, 
I'm not sure I could hack having playing with ten men all the time when we we've got, we've not got the ball. But then he just comes to life. And I was just thinking about I, I interviewed Neto, the the Bournemouth goalkeeper, earlier this year, who played with him at at Barcelona quite briefly. But you know we spoke about Messi about anyone who's played with Messi. You ask them about Messi, and he that was ultimately the thing he said. He said every footballer is capable of extraordinary things like technique wise and whatnot. But the thing that really, and you know, Messi is obviously capable of these things, but the thing that, that marks him out as one of the greatest ever is the ability to, to do those things on the pitch every single, you know, so so consistently when the eyes of all your own team, your whole country, everyone in the stands, millions of people watching around the world are all fixed on him and expecting him to do it. And he does it. I don't think we can consider that enough, that the, the pressure, the weight of pressure he's facing. And it might, who knows, it might still prove to be too much in the final. And then it's going to be another, you know, crushing blow for him. But it just has a feeling this year that he might be able to drag them, I don't know, what's the, what's the word, to kind of history. Well, his demeanour is, is completely different to four years ago in Russia, actually. Then you could see the weight of responsibility on him. And I think he had taken responsibility in terms of selection and tactics. And there were a lot of unpleasant rumours about him having too much power. And he was incredibly disappointing on on the field of play in that tournament. Didn't I mean, it's almost like he's um, a, a different version of himself this time around. It is a joy to watch because he just doesn't. He doesn't. You talk about pressure, but he, he doesn't this time look like he doesn't look like he's got any pressure. He might have it, but it's not showing on the pitch. I do think it's going to take a team to put them under pressure because we saw elements of them cracking against the Netherlands in the final stages. It almost descended into absolute chaos, and I wonder if Morocco or France, whoever plays them in the final are able to apply enough frustration and enough pressure to that group, to Lionel Messi, that sees them maybe, I don't know, retreat a little bit, go into the shell slightly. I mean, it would be, of course, the biggest of stages for them to finally shirk. But, um, yeah, we've seen it happen to better sides than this, by the way, on the biggest stage. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how Messi and Argentina move through to that final and what they produce. I do think we do need to say a thank you to a maestro that we saw on the pitch tonight an absolute legend uh hero of Croatian football no doubt I might put a little bet on him being the future president or prime minister or something like that I mean Luka Modric has been the, the midfielder of his generation who at 37 years old is one of those on a long list of people that we saw this tournament possibly being the final goodbye to in terms of of the World Cup. I doubt he'll be there in four years. He might make the Euros. That would even be incredible. He'd be, what, 39 at that point in time, probably. So, ah, well, look, I, I just think he's been fantastic. Back-to-back, well, World Cup final last time, World Cup semi-final this time around with teams that were just right up against it, against all odds. They weren't incredible this time around, Croatia. But I still think Luka Modric, apart from one game, was as good as we've seen him. And he carried his team to this point in the tournament as well, Gregor. Yeah, it was just, it was quite frustrating to watch it tonight in that all the things we spoke about, the kind of midfield control, the little triangles, the classy play, there was just nothing in front of them. No one willing to break lines. Kovacic a few couple of times drove forward just when there was a bit of space opened up and 
again, there was just very little in front of him. Juranovic, the right back, sometimes is the one who's adventurous and you know makes kind of dynamic runs down the down the right. But he did it far, far less so than than against Brazil. It was just really frustrating to watch. I thought those three playing together have been have been brilliant. Just the way that they manipulate the ball, the way that they kind of there's a little thing that Modric does that every time he's well, often when he receives a pass, he kind of if he's about to be closed down. It's almost like he takes a step towards the player, which almost which kind of slows them down in the way that they're going to press him. It just buys him a little second or two, and he's just a an absolute master at kind of finding space, basically, and spreading the ball. But there was very, very little in terms of attacking threat in this Croatia team. And uh, as I say, that was frustrating for me to watch tonight. But he has been he has been another one who's he's not even roll, had to roll back the years because he's never really faded, has he? And he's been an absolute joy to watch. Whenever he, in this particular game against Argentina, there were several moments when you thought, oh, he's about to be dispossessed. But no, not only was he not, he managed to, from nothing, make a pass that was accurate and, you know, intelligent from a position of complete pressure. He's, he, he operates on such a calm intellectual level almost he just doesn't ever get flustered and he worked really hard against Argentina as well he was he was you know defending well as well as holding the midfield together as well as trying to do things in attack he was he was everything you'd want from your best player on the pitch and actually thought you know from the like three three or four Croatian fans in the stadium relative to Argentina, they were allowed to give him an ovation because he came off. But then when they went, the cameras went back on him at the end. He, honestly, in those 10 minutes or so, he was off the pitch. He looked like he, he had aged five years because I think he had time to think that was it. It's gone from avenging four years ago. They could probably see it when they all, they probably dreamt it, Croatia, didn't they? This year we get revenge on France. For them, Destiny and the gods weren't about Lionel Messi. They were about the repeat of four years ago and this time the outcome going for them. That's what they would have, you know, when you envisage what's going to happen, what you picture your destiny to be, That's that's what that was their version of it. And then it was just pulled from them because of a poor refereeing decision. (laughs) <laughs> and, and a genius and a genius, anyway. and a genius. but Luka Modric <laughs> is a genius himself it's sad so it's sad to see him go out like this I just think it's sad that uh, you know a player of his quality probably doesn't have the talent around him in his nation I'm a proud Croatian of course he is to have lifted you know it, it's just a half decent centre forward would have given them a chance tonight uh, or a little bit of pace something different in that final third in the end, you know, all they can do is pass and pass and pass and pass until Argentina eventually get to them. So, um, yep, sad night for Croatia and Luka Modric. Jubilation for Lionel Messi and Argentina as they go marching on into the World Cup final, which we will, of course, uh, be previewing at length. You'll get that episode on Friday. Before we move on and finish, Alison Rudd, as you're with us, Gregor and I have spoken about the game uh, coming up between Morocco and France, the other semi-final, what it means. We spoke to Molly and uh, James yesterday. Your thoughts on the second semi-final? Well, I think it's... I mean, I hope I'm not jinxing it, but I think it's potentially incredibly fascinating because what France have been doing is 
encouraging their opponents to try and express themselves. They play in spurts, France. They suck you in and then they they take you. And I just don't believe Morocco will fall for it at all. So there might be a massive U-turn and the French think, oh, okay, Morocco aren't, <laughs> they're not, not going to be fooled. So we'll have to, we've got, we've got, you know, we've got the greater players, we'll go for it. And then Morocco might do to them what France hoped to have done to anybody else but them. So it's, it could be, it could be, actually could be, that could end up being really boring match, but I think it's going to be fascinating. And like most of the world who aren't French, I hope Morocco do it because it would be historic and colourful. And of all the teams I've seen on the international stage who play a defensive counter-attacking style, they're amongst the more exciting version of that. They suffer a bit like Croatia from, uh, you think, who's going to put the ball away? But um, I think it could be, at worst, fascinating, at best, thrilling. And my heart says, why not go for Morocco? All about the first goal for me. If Morocco can get that, doesn't matter when it is, if Morocco can get that goal, they can defend as well as anyone we've seen at this World Cup. And uh, it gives them an opportunity. But um, if France get it and they have to come out a little bit and maybe try and play a little bit more expansively, I think you know the likes of Kylian Mbappe, even though he's up against his, his PSG teammate Ashraf Hakimi, um, I just think on the break maybe France have them with an open, more open game. So I think it's, it, look, it'll be very fascinating and intriguing, intriguing tactical contest if it stays tight for Morocco, if they can get themselves in front, if they say, go on then, try and break us down. I'd love to see that, to be honest. But um, Alison Rudd, Gregor Robertson, a pleasure to be with you as always. Thank you all for listening as well. Remember to hit the notification button. We've got a lot more podcasts to come before the World Cup final, of course. And we're back with you straight after full time in that game between Morocco and France. Going to be superb. So we'll see you very, very soon. Remember to subscribe. It's thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game. Take care.